part does it share. You see why as a family of faith we need to be fully engaged? Because we all add things to the pie. We all add things that are necessary. We all are adding in. And that's why as a family of faith we need to be fully engaged because our engagement is necessary for maturity. Your role is vital to the body of Christ. Your role is vital in the family of God. If you start slacking and your part is missing, the entire body suffers. Pastor Daniel is going to show you today why your engagement with God, with the body and with the world is so crucial to the maturity of the family of Christ. Without your full engagement, the family can't reach full maturity. The body needs you to play your part with full engagement today. Now, here's Pastor Daniel as he continues his message, Jesus is all in. We respond. It's really hard to rock the boat when you're rowing it. So they're disillusioned by church. And so what they do is they pull themselves out of it and and they talk about how bad it is. And they don't even realize that if they're really God's kids, then God would want them to be in the church because our engagement is necessary for maturity. Look at what it says. I mean, I'm just telling you what it says here. Look what it says. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That word perfect man means a complete person. So what that means is that as the saints are equipped for the work of ministry, as we all are fully engaged and we're building up the body, the body grows till we all come to the unity of the faith, the oneness, because God loves unity. A mature church is unified. So what it means is that not only are we in process as individuals, but we're also as in process as a family. And as all of us are in process together, and as we all are fully engaged in serving and building up the body, the whole body grows. And as the whole body grows, we come to the unity of faith and to knowledge, experiential and implied knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. We we grow to completion together. Together. And not only that, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We become all that we are meant to be. And not only that, verse 14, and we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. As we grow, we leave behind childish ways of looking at theology. We're not tossed all about, oh, this is the new thing, and this is the new thing, and this and that. No, we're like, no, the old-time religion works. We don't need no new wrinkle. The old wrinkles are sufficient. So part of the maturity is that we stop flip-flopping every time some new fad comes out. And you got to realize, 
capitalism knows no limit. They look at the church, they realize they can market all this stuff to the church and churches who leave Jesus are always looking for something to focus on. And so people realize it's it's big, it's a billion dollar industry marketing things to Christians. When really all you need is one Bible with God's word in it. But every time, it's like, you got to get, how many times have I said, you got to get this, this and don't, this will make your spiritual life better. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that build us up, but all we really need is the spirit of God, the word of God, and the people of God. And guess what? All that's free. If you're like, well, well, I can get a free Bible. Just talk to the Gideons. They'll give you one. I mean, seriously. Listen, if you need a Bible, just take the one in your pew. Seriously. That's why it's there. If you're brand new to the faith, you're going to come down today and give your life to Christ. We're going to give you a Bible when you leave anyway. We want you to take God's word with you. But see, part of our maturity is that we're no longer all over the place, tossed, tossed around like on a tempest in a boat, but we're in calm waters. It says he leads us behind, beside still waters. He lets us lay down in green pastures. We're not all over the place anymore. We become steady instead of being unstable. Not only that, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all things to him who is the head, who is Christ. One of my favorite verses right here, speaking the truth in love. Right there. To me, that is the sweet spot of Christian ethics, right there. Speaking the truth in love. It might be best translated truthing in love. Truthing in love. And John Stott, the Anglican commentator, don't agree with everything John Stott said, but this quote, I've quoted it here a lot. I'll quote it again. I just think it's so perfect. I I could rewrite it and try and pass it off as my own, but I'm really just plagiarizing John Stott. So we'll give him the nod for it. He said this, truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. That's a good quote. Because the sweet spot of Christian ethics is not being brutal with the truth. And let's be honest, some of us really struggle with that, right? We love the truth, we value the truth, and everybody who you meet who doesn't believe the truth, you brutalize them in the name of Jesus. And that's no good. That's no good. Because it doesn't say just truth them into the ground. It says truth in love. So we believe the truth And in believing the truth, we also value love because the greatest of these is love. So the truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. And I believe that American culture, because they don't value the word of God, they struggle on the other side. We love everybody. And because they love everybody, there's no foundation in truth. They actually don't love anybody because they don't know what love is. And so if you have love without truth, you have hypocrisy. This is also going on in the younger generation, people who grew up in church. They struggle with the fact that God says certain things are wrong and certain things are right, and our culture says that it's all good. So they say, we just love everybody, but they really don't love anybody because true love is truthful. It's, tr- it's founded in truth. And again, when we're not fully engaged, see, what I found is this. Every church, if we don't strike the sweet spot between truth and love, every church either becomes a truth church or it's kind of brutal. If you go there and you don't agree with what's being said, you get ramrodded right out of the church. Or it's a love, hypocritical love-based church where we just love everybody and you actually don't have any beliefs because you don't value truth. 
And Crossroads, we're seeking to find that sweet spot. We believe the truth of God's word and we're going to love everybody right where they are. And that makes things a little messy, right? Because people are like, well, I don't think we should welcome those people because they don't believe like we do. We're like, listen, we didn't believe like we did either until somebody loved on us. I remember when I first stepped foot in the church, I was one of those people. I thought the roof was going to cave in when I walked in. And I was amazed that it didn't. But you know what? I got love done. And I had people just come, they like, you know, Daniel, can we talk about something? You really can't be doing that. Why? I've been doing this my whole life. Let me explain to you why. And they didn't judge me. They reasoned with me. They loved me. And they said, look, even if you keep doing it, I'll still love you. But God will change your heart. Trust me. A mature church hits the sweet spot. Truth and love. They're not mutually exclusive. They come together. You can't truly value truth if you don't value love because God is love. And if God is love and God is the truth, then love is the truth. So for those of you who lean on the true side, that needs to be, that needs to be nuanced by love. And those of us who leave on, lean on the love side to the point of hypocrisy because you're afraid to call a duck a duck even though it looks and quacks like a duck. You need the truth to nuance you because your love without being nuanced by truth, it's not really love. It's not really anything. Because if you really love somebody, you're going to tell them not to go to an ultimate destruction. If, if you're driving, if you're driving down I-5 and you know that the bridge is going over the Columbia or out, if you love somebody, you're going to try and stop every car from going to their sure destruction on that bridge. You can't say, I love you. Hey, listen, just drive over it. No worries. That's just wrong, right? It'd be like if you came over my house and if I had a, a pool in my backyard, which I don't have, but if I did, and I'm like, listen, I'm going to go inside and get some lemonade and Obadiah and Maranatha are playing in the pool, right? And all of a sudden, Maranatha starts to swallow water. And you're watching the whole thing. I'm inside. And all of a sudden, I come out, and Maranatha's laying face down in the pool. What happened? Oh, she started taking in water. You didn't help her? Well, no, because she's your kid. Would that be loving of you? No. That's a horrible analogy, right? But that's what happens when we love without truth. Because people are making decisions that are spiritually precarious and we love them too much to say, you are dying. You are headed for destruction. That's not love at all. That's hatred. It really is. If you let my child die in my backyard when you could have helped them, that's hatred. You don't love me. You hate me and you hate my kids. So that's why that nuance of love and truth, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? They come together. They are married. They are joined at the hip. That is true Christian behavior. And when we are fully engaged, we find that sweet spot together. Because sometimes we're going to want to be more truth than love. And the lovers are going to be like, listen, I know that that's the truth, but we need to kind of come alongside and we need to love a little more. And you're like, you're right. And sometimes when we're just being loving and we're not necessarily standing on the word of God, the, truth, the truthful ones in us are going to be like, hey, listen, we need, we need to make sure. We, yeah, we want to love everybody, absolutely. But we need to make sure that we tell them the truth too. Because we end up being sandpaper for each other. We end up helping each other as a family. And not only that, notice this. We all grow up into him who is the head at the end of verse 15. To Christ. Notice, 
from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Do you notice that? Everyone got a measure of grace. Everyone's been given a gift. We're growing up into the head who's Christ. He's joining the whole body together, joined and knit by what every joint supplies. According to the effective working by every part does its share. You see why as a family of faith, we need to be fully engaged? Because we all add things to the pie. We all add things that are necessary. We all are adding in. And that's why as a family of faith, we need to be fully engaged because our engagement is necessary for maturity. Now, what I want you to do is this. I'm the new lead pastor here, but Pastor Bill had been here for 37 years. This is what I want you to do. As important as Pastor Bill has been and will be in this church, you are just as important. The question is, is do we all believe that? Do you believe that your full engagement is just as important to the spiritual growth of this church as Pastor Bill, myself, or any other pastor? That's what this passage is teaching us. That's what it's teaching us. So now, I have for you three directions of engagement. Three directions of engagement. Upward, inward, and outward. There's three directions of engagement. Talk about us being fully engaged. There's upward, inward, and outward. Now, upward engagement is your relationship with God. Brothers and sisters, your relationship with God is your own. Nobody can have it for you. And each one of us needs to tend to our spiritual lives. And we talk about that a lot here. You need to have your own walk with Jesus. Your spouse can't have it for you. Your kids won't have it for you. You need to have your own relationship with the Almighty God. He loves you. He's numbered the hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. You are responsible. And you need to have that upward engagement of a daily relationship with God. Our relationship with God should be like our heartbeat. It's consistent and it's continual. And when you don't have it, you die. That's what our relationship with God should be. Consistent and continual. That's upward engagement. You need to be fully engaged with God. You need to let him talk to you, love on you. For some of you in here today, you're going to put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time and you're going to start that relationship. You got to realize that Christianity doesn't teach that it takes bad people and makes them good. Christianity teaches it takes dead people and makes them alive. And if you're in here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are dead spiritually. You might have some spiritual leanings, but you're not living. You're not living. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will be made alive by the Spirit of God. And don't ever think you can have upward, full engagement with God without putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus said it's not possible. And we're going to go with what he said because he knew the score. So there's upward engagement. Now, there is inward engagement. And that speaks about how we function as a family of faith here. You'll notice in your bulletin, 
You'll notice in your bulletin, there is a ministry needs list. Brothers and sisters, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much going on here at Crossroads. So what that means is in a room this size, watching in another venue, watching online, this list we should be able to knock out easy this week. Easy. And I'm here to tell you, listen, if you're here today, I want you to fill this, that sheet out. I want you to hand it to the ushers on the way out at the info counter. I want to be able to come here next week and, and say, in our ministry moment, say, remember that list? It's all done. Everyone's in. It's not hard. But I'll tell you this. For a lot of you right now, you're thinking, I want to do that. But you're going to end up not filling it out. And you're just going to walk out the door and you're never going to jump in. So brothers and sisters, jump in while the iron's hot. We set this up because we want all of us to be fully engaged all the way in. So that's the in-reach. We have lots of needs. And then, of course, outward, that outward direction. And that talks about community involvement. That's your job when you coach a little league team. There is a lost and dying world that God wants us to engage in. Be involved in your community, your neighborhood association, Rotary, maybe you like to do X, Y, and Z. Do that and don't forget to share as you go. The church of Jesus Christ is meant to be continually outreaching, continually pushing out, continually taking those next steps. And, and what's beautiful is that Crossroads is doing this in an amazing way right now. People are reaching people all over the place, all over the place. Now, I want to close. The reality is, is Jesus is all in. And so we respond. Isn't that our whole theme? Because Jesus is real, because Jesus is all the way in, he's totally committed, we respond. And I just want to give you just, what is it, five quick things, just little, little bullet points on how you can respond because Jesus is all in. First, be a servant and be available. Be a servant and be available. You, we are not fully engaged when we, or I will only do this if they ask me. That is not being engaged. Being engaged is being a servant, just saying, I'm here to serve and I'm available. Part of being engaged means you're willing to be inconvenienced for something that's important. We, those of us who are raising kids, we know this real well, or raise kids. You allow yourself to be inconvenienced because they're important. So when Maranatha comes and her tooth is wiggly, and I'm tired and she wants to see the tooth fairy with a greenback, I stop and I wiggle her tooth. And even though I'm tired, I just wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And I'm like, does that hurt? No. And I wiggle a little harder. And then eventually that tooth pops out. Just like that. Be a servant and be available. God wants to use you now. God wants to use all of us now. So be a servant and be available. Second, find your sweet spot where passion and giftings meet. Find your sweet spot where passion and giftings meet. That's a big thing for me, that sweet spot, where the things you're passionate about and the things that you're gifted in, where they come together. Now, I think that's the sweet spot because as you serve, you start to learn what your passions and giftings are. 
until you serve the Lord, you don't even know what those things are. I didn't, I've told you, I didn't go to school to be a pastor. I was just the guy putting labels on tapes. I was the greeter. And then doing that, they're like, oh, you should teach a Bible study. I'm like, okay. And even, uh, I've only been reading the Bible for like three months. It's scary, you know. But I taught a Bible study and all of a sudden, boom, like, you're really good at this. You should do this again. And now you guys are stuck with me. But but it comes from serving. So find that sweet spot where your passions and your giftings meet. And guess what? Whatever your passions and giftings are, I guarantee you there's a spot for you to be fully engaged here at Crossroads. On that point, I think it's also important just to note that in finding our sweet spot, you have to be willing to be flexible. You move around. So where that passion and that giftings meet. So find your sweet spot. Next, see a need and meet a need. I think it's as simple as that. That's where full engagement happens. See a need and meet a need. Don't ask somebody, just help. Be helpful. And guess what? I, I, I say that and I do, I admit that I say that knowing that I gave you a ministry needs list. So I want everyone to look at that needs list. Go ahead, look at it. See a need, meet a need. We got needs all over this place. See a need, meet a need. Next, be willing to succeed in failing. Be willing to succeed in failing. Why do I say that? Because the reason most of us don't engage is because we're afraid to fail. And you know what's amazing? If you're serving God, even your failures are blessings. I think it was Thomas Edison who said, I found 3,000 ways how not to make a light bulb. And he made a light bulb. But he first, before he made one, he found 3,000 ways not to make a light bulb. But not one of them stopped him from keeping going. So I want to give you the liberty. You're going to try things and you're going to fail. You're going to do things and it's not going to work so well. It's okay. It's okay because as you step out in faith, God is growing you up in the process. What I've learned is that when you're serving Jesus, even your failures are blessings. They're still successes. And oftentimes they're successes by helping us understand who we are. So listen, be willing to succeed in failing. And then finally... Try something new and start today. Try something new and start today. God's grace is new every morning. So try something new. Pick something on that list that you would never think you do. You're like, I never tried that before. So try something and do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Just jump in today. So this is a great opportunity to get on into the ministry. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is all in. We need to respond. Jesus is real. We are each given a gift for the equipping of the saints. And as the saints are equipped for the work of ministry, the body grows into unity and faith. Each person in the body is in process. That means as a family, we are in process as well. Today, Pastor Daniel showed us that in order to see the process through and grow in maturity, we need to be engaged with God, with the family of believers, and with the outside world. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED to 51400. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the reason why we go to church. People go to church week after week because they believe that God has the power to change us. When we gather together as a family, we learn how to respond to Jesus instead of the world around us. Pastor Daniel will help us learn to respond to Jesus when we're given negativity, but we can offer back grace. We can bring Jesus to the lost through his power. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Because Jesus is Real. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.